Welcome back again. My name is Tony Weeder, and we are looking at worldview evangelism and worldview discipleship for the folk Muslims who've been discussing, and there we are now. The life of Jesus, it, it is, I mean, when people, this is why sometimes I just read a Bible to understand the life of Jesus and who Jesus is. His birth was unique. Um, do you know this virgin birth today? In some part of England, women get pregnant without ever sleeping with a man, and they deliver without ever giving birth in terms of C-section. They're doing that, but they cannot copy what God did, that the angel Gabriel, and this is the story that the Quran has. The angel Gabriel spoke to a young woman. This young woman became pregnant, and within this young woman is the savior of the world the savior of our very lives. Present accounts of the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus in Luke. And John's preparing the way. Remember that Muslims see John as a prophet. One time, um, I was at a store in Colorado, and I see all these, um, again, when, when you, as an evangelist, you have to really be friendly. I, 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 and, and Africans are very good at that. Asians are very good at even Middle Easterners. So I, I see these, I shouldn't say beautiful because they were all covered with veil. But the children were really beautiful. So I went to this young man, I think five or six. And then I turned to the mother. I said, man, you look so pretty under the veil. And the lady just removed the veil and started laughing. And then I said, what's your son's name? I said, Yaya. Yaya means John the Baptist. And I just stood there. I said, Yaya, you came to prepare the way for Isa. You were the front runner. And the mother was just standing there with her veil lifted up. I'm glad her husband was not there that day. Uh, lifted up and just smiling as I was enjoying her son and enjoying the life that, and the name they gave. From that name, I was able to know the name of the mother. From that name, I was able to meet the father. From that name, I was able to go to their house. From that name, I was able to share the gospel with them. You have to treat people like people. You remember what I said about um, the British theologian, Lord Jones, preaching and a preacher in his book. It is one thing to love preaching, but do you truly love the people you are preaching to? You see, you have to love people. And you don't love people because you want to make them object of your evangelism. They are people, they are sinners just like us. And God redeemed us because he redeemed us want to take that very love to them. Whatever position they are in. So if the name is Yahya the prophet, Yahya the front runner of Jesus Christ, I'm willing to do that. One time we were, we were going, I was in Ethiopia traveling to Aksum. And Oxum, that's a whole story. That's, I mean, you, you, that's the time Christianity came to Ethiopia in 410 AD. Oxum became the Christian kingdom of all uh, the, the, of Africa during those times in 410 AD. But we're traveling to Oxum. And I decided to travel from Addis Ababa to Oxum without paying money. To just, so I can be friendly with people and just talk my way. Uh, the American colleague hitchhacking, something like that. Uh, but, and so I sat and then waved and I got on the bus. It's a long ride. It's almost like you're on a bus going from maybe California to, 
to, to, to New York, or maybe going from Ethiopia to West Africa. It's a long ride to make a shirt. So we, I'm just talking to people, and everywhere I stop, just being friendly to people. I went all around Ethiopia without paying a cent, but leading people to Christ. I, sometimes I meet a person, I said, what is your name? Oh, my name is Abdullah. Oh, Abdullah. It means God's servant. So how are you serving God? Remember the quote I gave you by G.K. Chesterton? That the only time Christians listen when they are talking, we need to listen more to people, to their hurt, to their pain. Present the accounts of Jesus' baptism and temptation. That Jesus was not just a prophet, he was a human being. He was tempted. Baptism is very important in many African contexts. In fact, if there's anything, African understand baptism more than any other culture. Because they believe you wash, in fact, in some tribe in Liberia, is the washing away of your sins and joining of name and the naming rights of people in that culture. So you, are, you wash all your sins away. And I'm not saying that baptism does that, but it is the perception. It is that worldview. So as we teach that and understanding that worldview, we can purely communicate God's word to them and be sure to include John's testimony concerning Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God that take away the sins of the world. Wow. What a day that will be. Someone have said, do not mind the pain of one rare pepper and finish the water in the house because you might need it for next time. Presents the accounts of several of Jesus' miracle. Why do I want for you to present the miracles of Jesus Christ? If you've been in class for the past few days or weeks or months, you find out that these people are completely saturated and the culture have been permeated with demons and power and fear of the unknown spirit world so now you present the kings of kings and the lord of lords for them to see jesus's miracles include at least one account his healing of the blind man we talked about that before his cleansing of the leper and the raising of the dead now this is real power uh, if, if you love uh, football, and when I say football now, I'm talking about soccer. Uh, American call it soccer, but the real football, uh, like, like Real Madrid, like, like Man, you know, Manchester United. It's like Manchester United and uh, Barcelona meeting uh, for, for a UEFA Cup. But this is a real thing. He's healing the blind. Can you imagine? In John chapter 9, I love this blind man who could see he asked this question, he said, I'm not a theologian or philosopher, but one thing I know, I was blind and I can now see. And when we see people do that, recognize who Christ is, it is one of the joyful things. You see, the angels are rejoicing in heaven. When I lead someone to Christ that night, I mean, anytime I lead someone to Christ, I don't sleep because I'm just rejoicing that... Um, I actually take pride in that too. God forgive me. That someday, like I think it's Ray Bowles who sang this song. Uh, thank you. I was telling someone, sharing with someone yesterday here that someday in heaven, a child or a man will just come behind you and say, tap you on the back. You remember me? I said, mm, no, I don't remember you. I'm here today because of you. 
What a day that would be. What a day of rejoicing. Bringing someone into God's kingdom. The God who created him. Because of you. He's there today. Present the unsuccessful attempts of the Jews on the life of Jesus. And his predictions of his death and resurrection. The reason why I want for you to say that. No. God did not trick or change the face of Judas. For Judas to die on the cross, uh, like the Amadeus would say, for, for Jesus to go to India and die in Kashmir. No, it did not have happened that way. So that's why I want for you to reinforce that. Let them know. And also the healing of, of the paralytic and reference to forgiveness of sins. And Jesus did not just he, he, uh, heal people, but he also forgave their sins. What are you doing here now? You're introducing Jesus here as not just being the son of God, but God himself. And this is where now, I think there's an idiom in America where they, they call it, they say the, the rubber meets something um, in, you know, in America. This is where the tension is. For the person to understand now, you are breaking through that worldview. You are undoing the damage that worldview have done and you're rebuilding it. It is never easy to rebuild a bridge or anything. It is difficult because you have to remove the old one, uh, the old argument, the old oppositions in order to present the new one. Jesus acts on the Sabbath, the beginning of active opposition. Jesus did not care about the Sabbath. He cared about people. It was not just customs. He tear through the customs. You remember the woman at the well? Jesus did not care that she was a Samaritan woman. Jesus didn't care because um, she was, uh, no, how to call it, uh, a prostitute. That's a joke. I have to tell you this story. It's really nice. You, you, you have to be careful when you present the gospel. This story also shows. Someone was getting married. So a dear friend decided to send a beautiful card to them. First uh, John, now remember. 1 John 4.18 says what? Perfect love casts out fear. John 4.18 says something else. So while riding the car, he wrote there John 4.18 instead of 1 John 4.18. So on the wedding night, uh, this, uh, the groom took the card. So who's this from? I don't know this name. Uh, he didn't come to the wedding. Ah. I used to date this guy. And so the groom says, should I open this? Oh, yeah, go ahead and open it. It's no problem. So the groom opened it and said, what? He said, read it. <sighs> you have had five husbands, and the one you are now with is not your husband. Because instead of putting 1 John 4.18, he put John 4.18. So the message intended did not communicate that message. Can you imagine on that wedding night, you have had five husbands, and the one you are now with is not yours? So we have to be very careful as we present the gospel. It is God's word. Let us be very careful. He has entrusted it to us. Um, i tell you another theological joke. Um, there are other theologians who believe in speaking in tongues. And they say, if you don't speak in tongues, you are not a Christian. And I don't want for us to bring our theological jargons to the Muslims who are already confused about our message. One time I was in an African country and I'm standing and everyone is jumping and screaming. And so the pastor said, now 
it's time for you to come out if you want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and the speaking in tongues. So everybody went there. Almost everyone spoke in tongues. And then I was standing there with my hand folded. He came. Excuse me. Do you want a gift of tongues? And I, again, you remember 1 Peter 3.15? Respectfully told him, no. Then he said, why? I said, the reason why I don't want another tongue is that I can't control this one. Does that make sense? All right. Where are we? Luke. Now we are down to Luke. Uh, no, let me go up. Healing the paralytic, we'll talk about that. The Sabbath beginning, the woman that, uh, no, Jesus anointed by the sinful woman. Can you imagine how many times have you hung out with prostitutes? When I'm in Liberia, I talk to everybody. I mean, God has given me the gift of just accepting people as they are. What are you, a gay, lesbian? Someone came to me one day and asked me, do you believe in abortion? If I said no, I lose her. If I say yes, I lie. So I said, well, believe in abortion as what? As your right as a woman or as an ethical issue? And then she said, huh? Guess what? A door is open for me to talk to her. So that's why we need to listen to the questions when, the peop peop when, when people ask us. A Muslim come, uh, came to me one time while walking. He said, by the way, are you a Christian? I said, what do you mean by that? Because the Muslim perception of Christianity is quite different from my own personal view. So that's why I never, ever answer them. And then we come to Peter's confession. What is Peter's confession? Peter confessed that you are the son of the living God. When Muslims come to that conclusion and recognize who Jesus Christ is, what a day of rejoicing that will be. What a day of rejoicing that will be when they see Jesus, of who Jesus is. And then not just that, Jesus is in control of his life. He's not afraid of death, the prediction of his coming death. Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem and die there. And not just that, the transfiguration and his subsequent prediction of betrayal. Judas was not someone that Jesus was going to trade places with. But Judas betrayed him, the plotting of the Jews to kill Jesus. Jesus' sorrow for Jerusalem, but setting his face to Jerusalem, despite his knowledge of his coming death. Let's pause here and talk a little bit about that. He knew he was going to die. He knew that when he got to Jerusalem, he was going to suffer. That's what he came for. You remember in the garden when he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. Not my will, but let your will be done. He predicted his death. The Jews attempt to kill him. The parable of the evil tenants. Wow. And as we explain these stories, we are not just explaining it because we enjoy it, but it is our hope. And because it is our hope, we want to share that hope with them. Let us just review briefly some of the things we have discussed over the past few weeks. We talk about the folk Muslims, the things that have been in, 
human sacrifice in 2011 today, people are still doing human sacrifices. Can you imagine that? 2011, people are still walking up to mountains to pray to. People are still going to trees and rivers to stand there and worship. People still have taboos they're afraid of. Children are still wearing charms for protection. And this is the good news that Jesus Christ came to die for us. The death of Christ is huge. Now, I know in some part of Africa and even some part of Asia or Latin America, most people believe that Muslims and Christians worship the same God. Now, listen to this. If I, as a Christian, believe that Muslims and us, or the Muslims and I, worship the same God, I deny Christ. And if Muslims believe that uh, they worship the same God as me, they deny Allah. Because Muslims in the Quran reject the death of Christ. So there's no way. And I think it's in John, 1 John, okay, I have to be careful. 1 John chapter 2, verses 22-23. It says that he who has the son has the father. He who denies the father does not have the son. Who's the Antichrist? The person who have said in his sons, Christ did not come in the flesh. And who did that? The Muslims have rejected Christ. That Christ did not come in the flesh. Not the death of Christ. Judah's agreement with the priest. Why do I keep emphasizing that? Because they believe that it was Judas whose face was changed to that of Christ. And when you read, I think uh, Professor Josh talked about that sometime in, in one of the courses where they believe that in the Gospel of Barnabas, Jesus did not die. He went up to the seventh heaven and where he prophesied the coming of, 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 of Muhammad and Prophet Muhammad is now here and Jesus did not die on the cross. And if Jesus did not die on the cross, we deny original sin. If there's no original sin, there's no redemption. If there's no redemption, we die in our sins. The Last Supper. The last supper, the meeting there, the one for your Muslims. Explain the story to them, how that tie in, and the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, there's one thing I don't have as a gift. I don't know how to sing, but there's a song that actually talk about Gethsemane. I wish I could sing a solo for you, but if I did that, uh, well, you might call the police in your country thinking that I, I'm causing trouble. But there's hope for me in terms of my singing career. It is actually stated in the scripture that when we get to heaven, there will be people who will be teaching some of us to sing. So um, I'm hoping and hanging on to that, that someday when I get to heaven, that whoever they assign me to, to teach me how to sing, boy, do they have an assignment. All right. Uh, Jesus' submission in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but let your will be done. Uh, it was... Bliss Pascal, in his book, The French Philosopher, said there are two people in this world, those who say to God, that will be done, and those who God said to them, that will be done. Isn't that confusing? Yeah, philosophers are always confusing. Let me say that again. If we say to God, that will be done, that means we are going to live according to his will. But if God said to us, our will be done, that means we are headed to hell. The trial of Jesus Christ. 
it was deceptive. The Jews went against everything they themselves have said or practiced. They went against all of that. And not just a trial, the crucifixion was perfect. He died on the cross. I think it's in Galatians 3, uh, 3.13. It says, Chris is the man that hung on a tree. He took everything, I would say, the burden on himself. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Go if you have time tonight. This is not a Greek class, so I'm not going to use, I'm not going to speak my Greek here, okay? I will save you the time uh, and frustration uh, here in African speak Greek. Um, but go and analyze and understand the Greek word where it means to say it is finished. He has done the work that God has sent him to do. And after everything was done on that cross, Jesus said, it is finished. The burial of Jesus Christ. Everything about this man, about this man we call Jesus was perfect. In his birth, in his ministry, in his trial, in his death and resurrection. There's a, there's a place in, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, I think verses 11 or 12 like that. Uh, the disciples are hanging around the grave, and the angels are sitting there. And they say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus Christ is risen. And we have hope in that. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.